Welcome to Catholic Moms in the Middle, a podcast for midlife moms who want to make the next season of life their best one yet. I am your host, Jenny Gwynn. You might find yourself transitioning into a new phase of life as your children become more independent or leave the nest. Mama, I am here to tell you that your life isn't over. You simply have new opportunities ahead of you. After years of pouring your heart and soul into raising your family, it is your turn to reconnect with yourself. In this podcast, we will talk about the joys and challenges of midlife. You will be inspired to rediscover your God-given purpose or to dust off old dreams and make them a reality. You'll learn how to navigate relationships with your adult children, to reconnect in your marriage, or focus on your health by being more active or finally losing the weight you've struggled with for years. Whatever this next season of life brings, this podcast will equip and encourage you to be happy, healthy, and holy. Hey friends, welcome to my podcast. I'm so grateful that you are joining me today. Now today's topic can be a little painful to discuss. We're going to talk about something that we've all done, something we try to avoid, yet we've done it on purpose and unintentionally. It is something that God truly hates and absolutely will not do. It is something that helps us to avoid situations And at the same time, it can make situations even worse. We often do it to ourselves. It is something we are scolded for as children, but we can be very subtle about as adults. It can destroy relationships. It has caused division in families, churches, communities, and in fact, it causes division throughout the whole world. When you do this one thing, You usually don't do it once because once you do it, it usually leads to another and then another and then another. Do you have an idea of what I'm talking about? Today's podcast is about lying. So as we get started, let's define what is a lie. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines a lie as, number one, to make an untrue statement with intent to deceive And number two, to create a false or misleading impression. Psychology Today says that three conditions must be met for a lie to occur. First, a statement must be made. Generally, statements are made verbally, but people can make statements via the pen, text, Facebook posts, sign language, or any other system in which we share signals or symbols that convey a shared meaning. The second condition is that the statement must be untrue. That is, the information shared in the statement must be an inaccurate description or account of reality. This certainly can happen when people lie, but untrue statements are also made when people are confused about the state of reality. The third condition is that the speaker must have intended to deceive. The Catechism of the Catholic Church begins its section on lying by quoting St. Augustine. He says, A lie consists in speaking a falsehood with the intention of deceiving. In the Catechism, we go on to read that a lie is to speak or act, act against the truth in order to lead someone into error. Now, you can probably think of times when you have lied to someone or when you have been the person lied to. 
we often gauge the severity of lies based on how much pain or damage it causes to us or the other person. So let's look at some different types of lies. First, there's that little white lie. These lies are meant to avoid conflict or hurting someone's feelings. I'm sure you can think of little white lies that you've told in the past. In fact, you've probably thought about, well, I'm going to tell a little white lie to get out of going to a party or to avoid hurting someone's feelings. But here's what you might discover. Many times one white lie leads to another and then another. And what can happen is that the person telling the little white lies can seem insincere or lose their credibility. The next kind of lie are broken promises. These are a failure to keep one's commitment or promise. You may make a commitment that you're going to do something or promise someone that you'll accomplish something or do something for them. Now, sometimes when promises are made, the person has no intention of following through. It's just a way to avoid conflict or disappointing someone else. It can be a way to avoid a tricky situation. This type of lie can destroy trust and relationships, especially when broken promises happen again and again. The next lie is called a lie of fabrication. This is a lie that is told when someone submits a statement as truth without knowing for certain whether or not it is actually true. It's based on your assumptions, or maybe you just hear half of the truth. Although the statement may be realistic, it's not based on facts. Rather, it's something made up, or it's a misrepresentation of the truth. The next one is one we've all heard of. It's called a bold-faced lie. This refers to an obvious, shameless lie, one that the liar makes little or no effort to disguise as the truth. A bold-faced lie is telling something that everyone knows is a lie. The, the liar, the person telling the bold-faced lie, is trying to avoid something. They're trying to avoid the truth. They are trying to avoid maybe something that they did wrong. Now, this is a light example of a bold-faced lie, but I can remember when my son was younger and we were having a birthday party. When I went to get the cake, I realized that somebody had stuck little fingers all inside of the cake, messing up the icing. The cake had little bitty tiny holes in it. I looked at my son and said, do you know how this happened? And he said, I don't know. It wasn't me. But here's the funny thing, and here's why it was a bold-faced lie. He had icing all over his face, his hands, and his shirt. Now, it was one of those things as a child and being the mom, I wanted to smile because it was cute as a child. He was caught, and he didn't want to pay the consequences, right? But then a bold-faced lie as an adult, can they're bigger. They can lead to resentment. And they can destroy the foundation of relationships. The next one is an exaggeration. And this one is very common. It's probably something that we've all been guilty of at some point or another in our lives. This is enhancing a truth by adding lies to it. 
The person who exaggerates usually mixes truths and untruths to make themselves look impressive to others. This happens during um, social gatherings, maybe having drinks or dinner with friends. Um, it promotes social connection with others. An exaggerator can weave truth and lies together, causing confusion, not knowing what is true and what is untrue, but sometimes when it's done often, even the exaggerator can be confused about what is true and what is not true. Psychologist Robert Feldman cites protecting self-esteem or maintaining social contacts as the reason people exaggerate or lie. However you cut it, exaggeration is playing with the truth. It is birthed out of insecurity. It's deceptive and it damages the core of all relationships. When you are with that person who tends to be an exaggerator, you never know what to believe. So you're always on guard and doubting what they are saying. Now the final kind of lie that we're gonna talk about is deception. A deceiver states something known to be untrue with the intent to deceive. The liar tries to create a scenario that causes others to be misled by withholding some of the facts and creating a false impression. Let's look at the lies of deception a little more in depth. We can all fall prey to these types of lies based on how the world tells us we should act, how we should look, what we should accomplish, or what we should do. The world deceives us into thinking that we are less than, we are unworthy, or that we will never measure up. Now, you have the option. You can choose to listen to the lies of the world, or you can turn to the truths of God. Jesus identified Satan as the father of lies. He's the father of deception. Any type of lying or misleading is in opposition to God. God is goodness, he's purity, and he's truth. Lying exaggerates and twists the truth, damaging relationships, creating uncertainty, self-doubt, and unworthiness. You only have to look at the first book in the Bible to see that a lie of deception is the first lie recorded. Satan, as the serpent, deceived Eve by telling her that God was lying and hiding something from her. In Genesis, we read, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that on the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the serpent tempted Eve with food. He deceived her by telling her that there was something better, that God wasn't good, that he had something better to offer her. So what are the lies that you might believe? The lies that are so subtle or common that they almost seem like the truth. We're going to look at three of these lies, and these are lies that come from the world or that Satan wants you to believe. The first lie is, I am not good enough. This lie is based on how the world defines success and worthiness. It is based on your looks, accomplishments, wealth, and popularity. 
This lie stems from comparing yourself to others. Maybe you compare yourself to a friend that you think has it all together or has the perfect life. Maybe there's a family member who places expectations on you and you strive desperately to meet them. Maybe there's a celebrity who you think sets the benchmark for success with their looks, with their money, with how they dress, whatever it is that you compare yourself to. I like to call this compare and despair. This comparison isn't fair because you are comparing the worst of yourself to the best of them. You are putting all of your flaws up against what you see that is perfect or good about them. But here's what I want you to ask. How often is what you compare yourself to superficial? Are you gauging your worthiness on a filtered, fake, exaggerated life? When you compare yourself to someone else, you have tunnel vision. All you're seeing are the things that are good about them. You are overlooking the fact that they have faults, they make mistakes, they live um, a life that's not always perfect, they have sins, they have things that they are dealing with in their life, but you overlook that. And so you base all of the ways that you fall short on what you think is the best about them. Remember, the lie of exaggeration is when a person mixes truths and untruths to make themselves look impressive to others. This lie can cause you to doubt yourself, your worthiness, and your goodness. Just like with Eve, the enemy wants to create doubt for, about God's love for you, and he wants you to believe that God doesn't have your best interest in mind. I see this so often in my clients who want coaching on weight loss and body image. They come to me so weary from trying diet after diet only to have very little success. They often deem themselves unworthy based on their past failures, the number they see on the scale or the number on the tag in their clothes. They have this ideal image of how they should look or what they should weigh based on what society says is acceptable or desirable. Many times what they are striving for is unattainable, unrealistic, and at times can even be unhealthy. These women overlook that God created all bodies unique and different. They believe the lie that they should look a certain way. They believe the lie that they can only be good and worthy if they meet the world's standards. The world's expectations are lies that can speak louder than God's desire for their life. The second lie is that you can't trust God. You have to do things yourself. When you believe this lie, you may have thoughts like, I'm all alone. No one else understands what I'm going through. I can't ask for help or else I would be considered weak. God can't help me. Believing this lie overlooks God's generosity and his strength and his role in our life. It places using your own strength above asking God or others for help. 
This lie also creates a scarcity mindset where you focus on everything that is lacking or wrong in your life. It might be time, money, your looks, your weight, your relationships, or something else that you deem is lacking. In a scarcity mindset, all you see are the flaws. You are so focused on that one thing that you miss out on the crucial parts of your life, the parts of your life that are good, your successes, the things that you're already achieving because you're so focused on not being able to do things, not being able to change and being on your own. When you believe the lie, I have to do it all by myself, you might isolate yourself from others. You might rely on your own strength rather than reaching out to a family member, a trusted friend, an expert like a therapist or a life coach, someone in your church, but most importantly, God. This lie can be based on pride. The root of this lie could be from disappointments in your past. Maybe a trusted family member let you down or didn't provide for you. Maybe you strive to reach their approval, yet they never encouraged you or told you you were doing a good job. Maybe you prayed about a certain situation, yet your prayers weren't answered in any way that you asked. In fact, it may seem like your prayers weren't even heard. In order to protect yourself, you decided that the only person you could count on is yourself. So you isolated yourself from others. I have felt this many times in the past. In fact, I still have thoughts about how things are impossible in my life. For example, when I became a life coach, my goal was to help women, to help them see a new perspective for their life in many different areas. I learned so many amazing tools during coach training, and when I combined them through the lens of scripture, church teachings, and the lives of the saints, that's when so much change and opportunity became available. I know without a doubt that this is where God is calling me to serve. I know that God is placing women in my path for me to help. But where I think I'm all alone is building my coaching business. I love coaching and I love meeting with women, but building the business is difficult. I have to learn how to market. I have to create platforms for the videos, send weekly emails, uh, recording this podcast and making sure it is uploaded correctly, writing blogs and the content for courses. And there's so much involved on the business side of it. I often have thoughts like, I can't do this. I'm not smart enough. Other coaches are better at this than me. Other people are further along. I'll never figure this out. This lie that I have to do it all alone, that I have to figure it out by myself, is simply alive. I have learned that I have to step away from the problem. I have to remind myself that I'm not alone. There are lots of people who can help me and that there are lots of resources available for these things. When I believe that I have to do it all on my own, I tend to wallow in self-pity and misery. I close myself off to God's help and the help of the people he places around me. Now, there might be an area in your life where you often think, I have to do this alone. 
There's nobody to help me. There's no one that I can turn to. I encourage you to step away. Once you step away, you will gain insight into, is that really true? But you might also gain insight into the people who are surrounding you that can help you. Family, friends, people at church. God places people around us to help us. The third lie is that change is too hard, so I'll just stay the same. How often do you justify your actions because you think you aren't capable of change? Everyone has a giant that they are facing in their life. For some, it might be an addiction. For others, it could be a broken marriage or relationship. For others, it could be a mistake in their past that seems to follow them. For others, it could be the constant struggle to lose weight. The enemy wants you to believe that it is impossible to be victorious over the giant in your life. He often plays mind games with you so that defeat, discouragement, and self-doubt are common feelings. Many times when women start coaching with me, they believe that losing weight is impossible. They often tell me that they feel hopeless about their body, their ability to change, and being successful at weight loss. This feeling of hopelessness causes them to quit trying and to just stay stuck where they are. They believe they are unworthy because they have failed so many times in the past. They believe that failure means they're unworthy. They believe that they are alone and that no one can help them because this giant is simply too big. They often believe that change is too hard and they don't have the strength or the willpower to move forward. Now, the enemy wants us to believe that change should happen quickly and easily, right? That there shouldn't be any discomfort or suffering. But here's the truth. Lasting change happens baby step by baby step. We tend to think that huge steps are needed, but often the baby steps are where the real self-discovery Healing and learning happens, yet we overlook and discredit those steps because they aren't big enough or great enough. We believe the world's lie that the bigger, the better. So we don't acknowledge our progress. We let the enemy whisper in our ear that our efforts aren't enough, that we will never change based on our past, and that we simply aren't strong enough to move forward. It is much easier to focus on what is right in front of you rather than looking off into the distance. It is good to have a goal and to know why you want to achieve it, but it is in small changes that you discover your strength and God's grace in your life. I love this verse from Deuteronomy. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. So, what do you do when you recognize lies in your life, especially the ones that the enemy whispers in your ears? First, replace them with truth. You do this by poking holes in the lies, questioning their validity. Ask yourself, is this really true? Examine the lie and dig deep within yourself. It might not be comfortable to root out lies, but it is the way to move forward. It is the way to find freedom. Ask yourself, is this what the world says is true, or is this a truth from God? Then you could ask yourself, 
could I choose to believe something different? To replace a lie with God's truth, you have to know his promises. This means you have to go to the Bible and read about God's goodness, his mercy, his love, his promise never to forsake you. And you have to read about Jesus and how he encounters the broken and the weary and brings healing and deliverance to them. It is through scripture, prayer, receiving the sacraments, a spiritual study, and quiet meditation that you will come to weed out the lies of the enemy so that you can be healed, you can discover God's unique purpose for your life, and where you will find freedom from the giant that has held you in bondage for so long. All right, friends, here are the truths that I want to leave you with. You are good and worthy right now. You don't have to earn that worthiness. You don't have to prove yourself. You are good and worthy right now. The second, you are not alone. It may seem like you are far from God, but God never leaves you. You are not alone. And the third, with Christ, you can do anything. There is no change or obstacle that is too big in your life when you combine your strength with God's. All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for all the blessings that you have given us. Lord, we come to you with a humble heart and ask for your forgiveness for any lies that we have made, have told in the past, the white lies, the bold-faced lies, the exaggerations, the deceptions. Lord, you know them. You see them. We place them in your hands. We ask for forgiveness. And Lord, those lies that we believe from the enemy, the ones that have taken root in our hearts and souls, we ask that you weed them out and you help us to replace them with your truth, with your goodness, and with your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All right, friends, stay happy, healthy, and holy, and I will see you next week. God bless. For more information on Catholic Moms in the Middle, or to set up your complimentary Moms in the Middle mentoring session, go to catholicmomsinthemiddle.com. Or find me on Facebook at Catholic Moms in the Middle for even more encouragement and support as you embrace this next season of life. The music for this podcast was written by Sean Williams, Catholic composer and musician. You'll find more of Sean's original music at musicbyshawnwilliams.com. That is musicbyshawn, S-H-A-W-N, williams.com.